0: Uh, you know, Brian Harper was the guy that won the home run derby this year at the All Star game. You know that. And uh, in the, the All Star, in the home run derby, you get your father to pitch you pitches because there'll be pitches that'll be easy to hit out of the park. And I feel like Chad and his band, like they set up the preacher, like uh, Bryce, Harp, Bryce Harper's father, just just throwing me those pitches that that enabled me to step into. The gift of grace, just sharing with you this morning from God's Word. Um, I was here last week. Anybody remember? Okay. I'm in the same pants. Anybody remember? The only pants you'll see a different church, just if you're taking note, you know. Um, uh, but I said last week that we're going to have fun speaking about money. I had fun. Did you? Did you? Give me a little help up here. Give me a little help up here. You know, Chad gave me some help. I need some help from from you as well, but uh, it, it's a great week to be here, too, and Hillary, as we were driving over, my daughter Hillary's up here in the front, and that's, that's why I'm here, uh, not because I'm a world-renowned preacher from the East Coast that Stephen said, let's have him come in. Hillary said, how about having my dad come? So, Pray for Hillary, man. She's put a lot of stake in having her dad up here. If you walk out and say that's your dad, man, that was a drag. 3 weeks of that. But but what we're looking at up here on the screen is a series on living generously. So it's 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 not really talking about money. It's talking about life. Amen. All right. And, and last week, we said that the, the pivot point for everything, and, it, and if you weren't here last week, uh, you don't want to miss this point. Go back, listen to listen to the message from last week, but it's, it's living grace. That's where it starts, that if you miss that message, Paul says, you, you've, you've missed what's going to come in living generously. Today, we look at the gifts that we've been given and in living into those gifts and The timing is great because we end this the week before Thanksgiving with living giving. So the two are dovetailing well. But the timing is also great. Let me tell you about this because, um, you know, the time changed last week. So I'm still on East Coast time. So that means I'm up about 4 o'clock in the morning out here, right? Well, my grandson who I'm just having an awesome time hanging with, and that's uh, the benefit. You don't need to pay me, Mike. This is great. You know, I just get to be with my grandson. That's cool. But my grandson gets up now when it's still dark. And he had been in the habit of getting up and reading for a while before he woke up his parents. And so they get up about 6 o'clock with him. But now everything's happening at 5 o'clock. He's ready to get up. So instead of Hillary and Tyler being mad at William for getting up so early, they're glad that Grandpa's here to be able to walk in, scoop him up, change a dirty diaper, and start the day. And if Hillary looked refreshed, she was up like I had to wake her up and say, I think we better get going to church today, you know, don't you think? So it's been great. I I spent some time. Heidi, where are you, Heidi? Raise your hand, Heidi. Heidi blessed me this week with some great gear on the Pacific Crest Trail. I was out there for three days. I told you last week that I'd come off the Appalachian Trail a couple uh, weeks ago, and, and, and so I, I just wanted to experience a little bit of the PCT. Uh, you'll hear more of that. Probably hear more about my grandson, you know, all that kind of stuff as I preach. But, but it's not me you want to hear. It's the word you want to hear. And the Apostle Paul, we're looking at this letter, kind of the first um, challenge for for fundraising in the New Testament uh, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Last week, Paul celebrated that from the extreme poverty of the Macedonians, they had given generously uh, to this cause to go back to Jerusalem. And and today we're gonna to look at the middle of this letter. There's kind of a long section in there that, that, that I may lose you on a little bit, but stay with it because Paul's setting up the structure for how important it is to structure our, our, our giving and to, to understand the nature of this work. So you ready for the word? You ready for the word? Okay, good. I need a little help up here. These lights are bright. I can't see you. I don't know if you're with me. So let's hear from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. As Paul says, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness as it is written. Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel." And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and our boasting about you to these men. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying, Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me, and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. Thanks be to God for this His holy word. Amen. I've had all a Christian should eat. That was the line my grandpa Holbrook used when he would push the plate away from his place and he would say he was done. Not that he was stuffed, not that uh, he was bloated with so much food. He just said, I have had all a Christian should eat. Kind of a nice statement, isn't it? I mean, I, that's, that's probably, I could develop a diet plan around that. All a Christian should eat. My dad had another phrase. My dad had a phrase, and he was fluent in French, and his phrase was this. Sa, su fi. Say that with me on three. One, two, three. Sa, su fi. Okay, you learn something here today, you walk out speaking French. The way that was translated in my household was... It's enough. It's enough. Well, now sometimes Dad would say that to us when we were fighting over in the corner. He'd say, "Sasufi, it's enough." But he'd also say it as he ate a good meal. He'd also say it as he experienced a particular blessing and say, "Sasufi, that's enough." That's where I want to start today when we talk about this idea of looking through the lens of faith at our lives and the, and. When I say that, I wear contact lenses, uh, and if, if I have trouble looking at you through these lights right now, I'd have no clue what was going on out there if I didn't put my contact lenses in today. But let me tell you this, you look beautiful today. I'm glad I can see you out there. But for the Christian this morning, I want us to look at this, this first lens that we have an opportunity To look through the the, the lens of of scarcity versus abundance. Paul says in the community of God, there's an abundance. There's enough that is there that can sustain us. For the Macedonians who are poor in that time that give, the Corinthians who are rich in that time, Paul says there's a balance. As is written, whoever gathered much Had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. There's a sense in the economy of God that we're not driven by scarcity, grabbing more and holding on to it, but we understand the abundance of what the Creator has given us the goodness of a world that's been given to us, and the resources that we have around us. Economists talk about this all the time, and it's a lens by which you view the world. I don't know how I'm good I'm doing with my lens, um, and and that's why I'm preaching this message to myself today. As I shared with you last week, I had some more connections with Jack Benny than I did with Jesus on some of these things. I have more connections with scarcity at times than I do with abundance. Anybody else have that issue? Uh, let me tell you about my sickness here, okay? Can I do... We had confession already, but this is my confession. So um, I do watch baseball. You already caught that from the All-Star game. And uh, and I'm not a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankee fan. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, but Mookie Betts stole second base... Uh, I think it was in the second game against the Houston, uh, no, not against the Houston Astros. Um, Who was in the World Series? Dodgers. Dodgers. Oh, that's right. I am in California. I forgot. Yeah, California team, wasn't it? Um, But Mookie Betts stole second base. Anybody here know what that means? Taco Bell gives a free Doritos Loco Taco. Right. I put it in my calendar. Taco Thursday, November 1st. It was a day. Anybody here get a Doritos Loco Taco? Wow, you guys live well. You live well. (laughs) But here's the problem. Here's the problem. I'd been at Rotary that that day for lunch, all right? Rotary, you get a big meal at Daddy O's Restaurant in Hopewell Junction, New York. And the first uh, Thursday of the month is Dessert Day at Rotary, too. So you also get a dessert. And I had the caramel salt cake. It was really good. I was really full. And I was leaving to come out here, so my wife and I were going to go out for dinner and have a date night that night. So I knew I'd be eating well at dinner. But it's free taco Thursday. (laughs) I have to go get my free taco So after my big lunch, I go to Taco Bell, I get the Doritos Loco Taco. Any of you eating the Doritos Loco Taco? What happens when you bite into it and you're driving? It explodes. It explodes. So here's this taco in my lap that exploded, and I don't need the taco. I'm just going because it's free. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. You know? Uh, If if you look up here, um, economists talk about scarcity and abundance. And here's here's scarcity as it's defined by some economists. Okay, scarcity leads us to this. Fear-based, rigid, limited resources, problem-focused, holds you back in life and kills abundance. Abundance thinking from the economy of God, trust in God, open-minded, abundant resources, possibility-focused, plenty helps you move forward in life and attracts more abundance. I think that's what Paul is talking about here. Trust the economy of God in your life to be able to live generously, trusting that in those times when when things may be scaled back for you, there's going to be enough, enough. Uh, Brene Brown, who's... um, somebody that uh, is popular on YouTube, just speaking about our issues in life, says this. She says, We live in a culture with a strong sense of scarcity. We wake up in the morning and we say, I didn't get enough sleep, and we hit the pillow saying, I didn't get enough done. We're never thin enough, extraordinary enough, or good enough, until we decide that we are, for me, says Brown. The opposite of scarcity is not abundance. It's enough. I'm enough. My kids are enough. Can I say, "Sasu Fee? Can you say, Su Fee? Yeah. You know, I, I think of the testimony of, of people that come back from mission trips. and And I don't know if you've heard this, but... Um, so oftentimes, we would, we would send a team to Africa, we'd send a team to the Dominican Republic, whatever it would be. And, and invariably, the first comment that I would hear as these teams would come back to report would be to say, these people had so little, and what? They were so joyful. And, and after a while, I thought, There's kind of a sense that comes from a statement like that that says our joy comes from what we have. How can they be joyful when they don't have all the things that we have? And the sickness of our society comes out when we see a bumper sticker or hear a phrase that says the one with the most toys wins. We know that's not true, right? We know that's not true, But, but as we come to Thanksgiving, isn't it ironic that the day after Thanksgiving, called Black Friday, when scarcity is going to be in full view of everybody in America, and we'll get some story of people that slept in front of Walmart since three days before Black Friday so they could get $100 off a TV. But Paul says that's not for you, there's, there's a way to live with abundance, recognizing that God provides. Here, here's what it says in the Psalms. It says, I have been young and now I am old, Psalm 37. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or their ch- children bra- begging bread. They are ever giving, liberally and lending, and their children become a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so you shall abide forever. Thanks be to God that we can see life through that lens and respond by living generously. Amen. Okay, that's kind of the signal that I'm done with that That first point here, that first point. Take home Sassoufi. Second point here is, I use a phrase from Rick Warren, it says... Making giving happy habit, not happenstance. This is that long section in the middle that, that Paul is talking about Titus. He's talking about that, uh, the, 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 the preacher that's known throughout the church, and he's talking about that other man. We don't necessarily know people make different connections on who those people might be, but the, but the point that most commentators will say is that um, Paul was speaking about people that the Corinthians knew. So you can understand that at this time and this day, entrusting these kind of gifts to people was a little dangerous because they have to travel all the way to Jerusalem carrying this dough and give it to the church of Jerusalem. So Paul is making sure that the Corinthians understand that he has structured this gift well. And the invitation that that I give to you is is an invitation that says that, that generous living needs to become from habit, not happenstance. I mean, you may be charged by passion today, walk out of here and, and, and give some money away to somebody. There may be a cause that comes, the fires up in, in Northern California that you may say, i got to give some money to. And that's all a part of being generous, to be sure. But to understand what Paul is saying, first of all, to the Corinthians, he says, here's how I've structured this so you can understand that your giving will be... Um, be given to trustworthy people that will carry out that good. But also Paul says this, So give proof before the churches of your love and are boasting about you to these men. So he's saying practice what you preach. That it's not enough to talk about generous living. It's it's important to set that as a habit of of your heart that's structured in the way that you live. Um. On the PCT trail, you may know this, but there's trail angels, and and they will place water. I mean, I walked the AT. There's water everywhere, coming down on your head. I needed you're soaked all the time. Your boots are soggy. Man, walking out here is bliss. You know, you've got. I had no tent. I didn't need one. It got a little cold at night, but thanks be to Heidi, she gave me a very warm sleeping bag, so I was fine. But like I came to this spot right by Interstate 8 where the PCT goes under the road, that some guy had had or gal I uh, don't want to be sexist in that uh, somebody had brought a cooler, a cooler, a styrofoam cooler filled with ice and said Trail Magic, and they put the date when they had put it down there and they left it there as a generous gift to anybody that might be walking by that needs water, needs soda, needs support at that time. Do you think that person is living a habit of generosity by doing that? I think so. They've taken time out of their day. They've placed it there. So so Paul has told the Corinthians in the 16th chapter. It's amazing. After he talks about the wonder of the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, he then goes into this gift and he says, set aside something every week so that when we come, you'll be ready. Make a habit of this. And one of the questions in your small group uh, this week is going to be asked, like, like, how can you make a habit out of something in your giving that's going to increase your joy in the way that you give as you share that in an intentional way with others? Uh, last week I quoted Christian Smith, and he wrote uh, this book, uh, the, the Paradox of Giving, Uh, Grasping we lose, giving we receive. And, And here's what he says about generosity. Generosity is the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. It is learned character trait that involves attitude and action, entailing both the inclination and actual practice of giving liberally. It's not haphazard behavior, but a basic orientation to life. That's what Paul is inviting the Corinthians to do. That's what I'm inviting you to do today, to make it a habit. And that's when we talk about growing in generosity. It starts by increasing that through the habits that we develop. When I was um, probably in sixth grade, I shoveled Helen Bradley's walk in Denver, Colorado, where I was growing up. And... uh, Helen Bradley at that time, I love this, she drove a 57 Chevy uh, station wagon. And this was a really old woman, you know. If I had that car today, it would be a beautiful thing, you know. That, that would be abundance from that car. But, but Helen was not driving it with uh, Craig or Mags on this car. She was just an old lady that I shoveled her walk. I'd get done with it and she'd give me a dollar. She'd give me a dollar Last week I talked about my my kids saying my illustrations were a little out of touch, and I, you know, so a dollar, that kind of dates me a little bit. But I'm so thankful that from that dollar, that in my family I took a dime and I put it in the offering plate at Mountain View Community Church in Denver, Colorado. I learned the habit then that I'm thankful that I learned because... Many years later, when I'm making a lot more than a dollar and the numbers of a tithe, which Christians have talked about for a long time as a a way of reflecting generosity, as a faithfulness in giving, um, when those numbers increased to a lot more than 10 cents, I learned the habits young that equipped me to be able to live joyfully in generosity as one who is now making more money. Habit, not happenstance. Amen. Okay, you got me. We're, we're closing off there on the second one. Um, the third, the third point, and 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 this is what this whole series is about. You've already you already heard it, so I I, th- I think you know this one. But but to to repeat it again, the final lens through which I want you to look through in living generously is to see life as gift and not grabbing. It's what Chad talked about so well and For the Beauty of the Earth, the gifts that are all around us. So Paul closes off this section by saying this. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. An exaction. Uh, the new RSV says an um, uh, extortion. Uh, the the word in Greek has this word of greed. You know that 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 sometimes you can feel they're always asking for money. They always want to take it's mine, and I want to hold on to it. and and, and actually, I've done some studies. Uh, with cultures of generosity. And, and in the church these days, they're not so much talking about stewardship anymore because, because the way we've thought about that, even with tithing, we don't talk about tithing a lot, is, is it's like um, 90% of this is mine and 10% goes to God. No. <laughs> No, what I'm trying to get you to see, and and, and I think you understand this to start with, is is that 100% of it comes from God. And the invitation that we're given is to live our lives in response to grace. Remember last week we talked about Jean Valjean from Les Miserables, that from that one moment of grace returned his life, to the world as a gift of grace, working for justice and mercy for the poor. That, that's the image that we want to catch on to, It's all of life as a gift. Paul says this um, earlier in Corinthians, when he says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What did you have that you did not, not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Did you wake up this morning and say, okay, it's my decision to breathe? No. It's a gift. Did you wake up this morning and say, it's my decision to have the the sun come out this morning and warm the earth? No. It's a gift. When you start to recognize everything that you have that is a gift, life starts to take on a different flavor. And And it comes from from the first story in Genesis. When we hear those words, See, I've given you every good plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was a morning, the sixth day. It was very good. It was very good. I want an amen, amen. to that as well. You know, I know we're Reformed Christians, and and, and we understand the nature of sin and total depravity, but sometimes I worry that we start the story with Genesis 3, the fall, and not Genesis 1 and 2, the original blessing that comes to us. And the restoration of what God is doing is restoring us to that original blessing that is a gift, that is a gift that we receive every day that we had nothing to do with it blessing. You know, in the Reformed Church we use something called the Heidelberg Catechism. And uh, the Heidelberg Catechism is divided up into three titles. Guilt, grace, and gratitude. And so oftentimes we start with the gospel with that, with our guilt, and understand the grace of God, and then our lives are reflected as lives of gratitude. But if I was writing the Catechism with language that would define those first words today, I'd start with goodness, guilt, grace, and gratitude. That sense of original blessing. And it's really true. Uh, and even in the catechism, I shouldn't disparage the Heidelberg because I don't know if we have any Heidelberg people out there, but it starts, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Do I have any help out there? Okay, I know I'm in a PCA church. you got the Westminster. I'm not my own. I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, for he has fully paid for all my sins and set me free from the tyranny of the devil. I love that. Doesn't that start with goodness? Your day, your life, your blessing starts with the goodness and graciousness of the gift of God. That is the lens that I want you to see this world. Because if you don't see it that way, you start grabbing for everything that you can get. You start seeing life as extortion or exaction that's claimed from you by the church, by this person who needs, by this need that's before me, by the mortgage coming, by all this. It all becomes exaction. If you start with the gift, you start seeing the grace that's there that empowers you. The other thing, Chad, that you did was for the beauty of the earth, you put up that that slide with the stars. With the stars, did you notice that for the beauty of the earth? I I did because um, on the Appalachian Trail, I took a tent uh, because you need to, because the rain, the clouds and all that, so I had to crawl in my tent every night. But on the Pacific Crest Trail, I had no tent. And this last week, did you see any clouds in the sky? And, and the other problem is it was warm during the day, but it was so cold at night. so two nights ago, I got to my campsite and um, and I had all my cold weather gear on and clothing that I had, and I was still freezing. So that meant it was time to crawl into my sleeping bag. this beautiful sleeping bag that Heidi gave me that's so warm. And snugly, And you can do these mummy bags that you just have your eyes looking out and it's like 5.45 at night. Yeah, I'm in bed. You know? I got nothing to do, but I'm so cold that I need to be looking up at the heavens. Psalm 8. When I look at the heavens, the work of your hand what is man that you are mindful of him, or the sonful of son of man? Uh, and, I, and I sat there and I, I thought about the elections. I thought about my life. I thought about what I have, what I don't have, whatever. I said, "Do you think the stars care?" But then I looked at the the story and 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 the lens that we're given from Genesis one and two is a lens that says. All right, and I'm not saying there can't be other life out there in some way. God's got control of that. I believe that. But as far as we know right now, unless anybody can tell me differently this morning, there is no other planet where where retired preachers are laying in a mummy sleeping bag looking up at the stars and saying, you know, what is man that thou art mindful of him? That is what changes our view of our lives that's what calls us to live generously that's what calls us to make a habit out of living it generously you see the abundance that is all around us not the scarcity that makes us fear and grab more is this fun this is fun. This is joy. This is what Paul is driving those Corinthians towards. And we're going to end with a crescendo next week of celebrating that true. But I just want to hand that off to you. That when you walk from this place, when you see the sun, when you see the stars, look up and say, thank you, God, for the blessing that is around me. And let my life be a reflection of that gift sa su fi it's interesting i'm closing with this all right so you're okay um, that when i looked up google translation on that it didn't come up it is enough it came up trust in him trust in him so if we have french scholars out there you might be challenging you can help with that but i i like that translation it is enough Because we can trust in Him. Amen? Okay, that means I'm done. (laughs) Lord, we thank you so much for the gifts that you have placed around us. The gifts of these people that are sitting next to us. The gifts in the community that we walk into today. the The gifts of this planet we live in. It is enough. And wherever we are today, we may be feeling like we're right on the margins of survival or we may know the abundance of the Corinthians in this time. But we trust you, God. We trust you, God, that sa, su, fi. It is enough. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Amen.